So we are continuing our message series this morning of what we've been working through and, and we've been studying the Christmas story and seeing these different aspects of it and seeing it from the different perspectives. We started with week one looking at, at Joseph's role of the story and looking at his perspective and, and seeing how he found hope amidst a situation that seemed very hopeless. Uh, and then last week we looked at Mary's role and, and, and her individual, you know, um, news getting of from the angel and, and of everything that the angel shared with her and, and again how she was able to rise above the challenge of the situation because she was loved. She was loved by God and she was loved by Joseph and, and others around her and again how that love could motivate her to do this crazy thing that God was asking her to do. Um, and now this morning, we are going to continue to work our way through the story. And I think as we see, again, the Christmas story is, is portrayed in a lot of different ways. And, and even this morning, as we see this, this famous story of the Grinch, right, that was written by Dr. Seuss originally, has been adapted many, many times over, just as it was, again, adapted this morning into, into a Christian story. And, and, you know, if we all love a good story, we, we love... Again, even the Grinch and these, the writings of Dr. Seuss. But, but if you think about a story, what makes a story good? Right? And again, that's our theme of this series, right? Is that this is good news. That the, the, the Christmas story, the genuine Jesus that we have a chance to experience is good news. And yet sometimes we wonder, is it really good news? Right? Because of the parts of the story. What makes a good story? Think about if this story was different. Think about if the story of the Grinch was different. Okay, imagine if the story was, was this, was the Grinch loved Christmas, the end. Right, that would not be a good story, would it? Obviously, it would not be as entertaining, right, um, as we see that, but when we know and realize what makes a good story, well, what makes a good story is the conflict, the struggle, the brokenness, the trial that comes in the midst of a good story. Right, whether we go to the movies, whether we read a book, whether we watch a TV program, a play, whatever it might be, is if there was no struggle, then the story would fall flat. Right? It would not be entertaining. Right? Without it, we would be bored. Without it, we would feel like we've wasted our time of even listening to the story. And yet, as we realize that that the the interest of the story lies in the conflict and in the struggle and in the trial, um, we, it's a very different concept, right, when we think about our own stories. Right? Because in our lives, right, is we do not want the brokenness or the trial or the struggle to, to be a part of our stories. What we hope for and oftentimes pray for is that our lives would just play out perfectly with no problems, with no struggles, and everything would be awesome all the time. And that's what we want, right? And, and yet we get that it is a part of, of the struggle, the brokenness, the trial, and the conflict that, that is a part of every good story. Yet when we, when we are living that out in our own lives or, or in the lives of someone that we love, in the middle of the brokenness, the trial, the conflict, it does not feel good at all. In fact, it feels wrong, right? We find ourselves wondering, could this really be God's plan? How can this possibly be the story that God is writing in my life? Right? Did I do something wrong? Did I get off track? 
did I, did I interpret God's voice incorrectly? Is this really what God intended? And again, we, we don't mind the conflict and the struggle in everyone else's story, but when it's in ours, we oftentimes question it. And yet, it's in those times of trial and struggle when, when we, we struggle to find happiness and joy. But happiness and joy are not the same thing. And again, this week in our Advent um, wreath, and our Advent journey towards Christmas Day, we are now lighting the joy candle. And we're looking at what is joy? What, what, what does joy even really mean? And again, we're seeing today, is this our theme of this message this morning, is that joy sees beauty when we feel broken. Joy can still see beauty when we feel broken. Like I said, joy and happiness are not the same thing, right? And many times in our lives, especially our culture and our world, is, is seeking to find happiness. But, but happiness is very elusive because happiness is based on our circumstances, Right? Things are going good and we are happy. Things are bad or they take a turn we didn't expect and our happiness is gone. But that's how joy is different. See, joy is not circumstantial. Joy is not based on what is happening, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Joy is rooted somewhere else. Okay, joy is ultimately found in, in God and his unchanging character. But again, we have looked at the Christmas story these last few weeks at these different perspectives of, of Joseph and as Mary as individuals. Now today, we're going to continue on in the story, and, and now we are to the part of the story where Mary and Joseph come together and they face it as a couple. Okay, we've seen them again uh, in their separate roles, and now, now they're going to go continue to work through the drama together. Okay, and so as we, as we continue the story this morning, uh, we're going to start reading in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to, like I said, we're going to start at verse 1. If you, if you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you today, there are Bibles that, uh, within the seats that you're welcome to use. You can grab one of those and uh, notice on the outline is the page number of where you can find this passage in those Bibles. And so as we all uh, together look at Luke chapter 2, they say we're going to pick up the, the Christmas story with verse 1. Okay, where it says, at, the time, uh, at, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And we're going to pause in the story right there. As we look at just the, the, the logistical details of the Christmas story. Right, again, so many times we just see the nativity scene and just kind of see the, the star and the angels and the shepherds and kind of all those things. And yet it's, it's easy to kind of glance over the, the logistics of what Mary and Joseph were dealing with in this 
situation. Because if we really get down and look at it, is this was not a very pretty picture. Hey, we see um, it was full of broken systems of inconvenience and just good old plain messiness. Right, we see um, as, we, as we look through the story, right, is let's look at the first part. First off is the census. Okay, the census was forced upon everybody within the Roman rule. Now, again, the, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they did not like the Roman rule. They, they did not like being under it. Um, they, in fact, felt oppressed by it. And now this, this census was being forced on them. And again, the main purpose of this census was for Rome to make sure that they were getting all of the taxes that they were due. Right, this is a great premise that we would all just invite into our life, isn't it? Right, to have this government that we don't like, that has invaded us, that's taking over to say, we need to make sure we're getting all of your money. So please go to your hometown and register. Hey, and now here, um, then not only is this the census that they are, are being forced to take, but then they have to go and register in their native town. Which means for Joseph, he's got to take his, his new, still being foreign family and go back to his city of origin, of his ancestors, which is Bethlehem. Hey, now Bethlehem was about 70 or so miles away from Nazareth. Hey, and so not only do we have the census that are being forced to take, but now we have the travel thrown into through this story. Right, and remember, just as the text tells us, right, is that Mary is, is obviously pregnant. She's at the end of her pregnancy. And this is a 70-mile journey. Now, this is not like Joseph can just, just you know, order up an Uber and jump in and just run all around over there. Right? This is a 70-mile journey that they have to take, probably mostly on foot. Or maybe aided by a donkey or, or you know, something if they could find that. And, and now he's got to take his very pregnant companion with him on this trip. And travel's not easy, especially at this time. And, and then you add in all of these extra complications. And then they finally arrive in Bethlehem. Right? And as they get there, there's no place to stay. Again, people are kind of moving, moving around because of the census and having to go around. And, and, and you know, the people are gone. People, there's all kinds of visitors. And, and again, they show up in Bethlehem and there's nowhere to stay. Now, I don't know how much you've traveled, but when I travel, there's always this kind of this nervousness in my heart when I walk into the hotel. Right? And you walk up to the desk and you're like, yeah, I'm checking in. And, and I, I just have this, this fear that they'll be like, um, sorry. Right? Like, we got no room for you. Hey, and, and I don't know why, it's probably, it's, it's an irrational fear. I've never really had that happen, but you just kind of go in. Now again, Mary and Joseph show up and they're like, nope, nowhere to stay. And so now he's here, not just in the midst of travel, and they have nowhere to lay down. And this is the time that the baby decides to come. Right, in the midst of all of this, this messiness, these hard details, the, this struggle, becomes the perfect time for the baby Jesus to make his appearance. Given we step back and think about it, right, this, this same question arises within this story that we oftentimes ask within our own lives. You can imagine Mary and Joseph in this moment sitting back and saying, why this way, 
God. You couldn't have written this better? This is your idea of a good story? Right, God, if you can do anything, you can, you can create the story any way you want for your son, and this is really what you're doing? Right, and yet, as we realize this and think about, put ourselves in Mary and Joseph's place and these questions that would have, have inevitably risen up in their spirit, right, we are reminded that God's story includes some struggle and some conflict, Right? Because we know that's what, what makes a good story. And, and God's saying, hey, this is going to be a great story because it is full of struggle and it is full of conflict and it is full of trials. Again, these last few weeks, we've looked at Mary and Joseph's roles as individuals and, and now we see at this time that they, that they come together as a couple. Again, think of Mary and Joseph sitting there with this new baby and being surrounded by farm animals and wondering, if this is your son, what are you doing, Lord? You can imagine them questioning God and thinking, God, if you are truly good, if you are, are really powerful, if you actually love me, why aren't you writing a better story for all of us? Right? I mean, make a better story for your son. Make, make a better story for our marriage. Make a, a better story for everybody involved because this does not make a lot of sense right now, Lord. And we can, we can identify with these questions. And we can also probably identify with how Mary and Joseph likely felt in this moment of, of is it even okay for me to have these questions towards God? Because so many times, questions can feel wrong. Right? Should I be asking God these questions? But yet, if, if, even when the questions feel wrong, they put us in a position to be able to grow. They put us in a position to be able to see God in ways we would never see him before or any other way. Right? Questions can definitely feel wrong. But... Again, instead of feeling unfaithful or ungrateful to look at God in the face and say, God, what are you doing? The truth is this question, God, what are you doing, puts us in a posture and a position to truly hear from God and to grow in ways that we've never grown before if we will let him speak. Right? If we will let him show his hand. Again, Mary and Joseph walked through this together, right? Their story was not easy, and yet they were able to find joy amidst the struggle. And as, again, as we've seen Mary and Joseph walk together, I, I want to share, we want to share this morning a little bit of our story. And, and I say our because um, many of you know we, we walked through adoption, Maureen and I did. And again, I talk about Maureen at different times that some of you have never maybe interacted with her and certainly have not heard her speak. And so, but today she's going to come up and, and as we want to share a little more of our story, right, and our adoption story. And so uh, you're going to hear it mostly from Maureen's perspective. Hi. Um, I'll try and do this without crying. There was a little bit in first service, but um, thank you. Um, so this is our adoption story, um, and it's not going to be the whole story, but I'm going to share some things that maybe you don't know. Um, we've shared a few pieces with friends, but um, 
I just want to be open with you. It's still pretty raw because she is 13 months old and is in the nursery right now. But um, I want our story to be known. Um, this story started way before we even started the official process here in this picture. 16 years ago, uh, 17 years ago, we got married and I had a desire in my heart for a daughter. And we had three boys biologically and I knew that Claire would probably never come to us through biology that way, but um, I knew somehow we would get a daughter named Claire, and that was the desire of my heart. Um, and I told people, people, you can ask old friends, they said, I remember you telling us you were going to have a daughter named Claire. Um, and we just never knew when, and we just prayed that the Lord would reveal the timing when she would join our family. Um, and for a long time, the desire was in my heart, but it wasn't in Brian's. And that was one of the first struggles that we had to overcome because I wanted a baby girl and he didn't want a baby. He, we were in the big boy stage and he did not want to go back to that. And I prayed <laughs> that God would change his heart and that either the Lord would fulfill the desires of my heart or take the desire away. And that desire only got stronger and he passed that desire on to Brian's heart. Um, we, when we presented things on social media, we kind of gave you the, the good story. We, we wanted to adopt, we got a baby, she's here, the end. Um, and that's not, <laughs> that is not how our story um, went. Um, so about two years ago, we finally felt like the Lord said, it's time for you to get started. And we got home study approved, we had an attorney, and we told everyone that we were looking and waiting for our daughter to join our family. People had so many questions, um, but we knew this was the right path and this was the right timing. Um, and we waited and we prayed and we waited and we prayed and we waited. And this quote, never give up on something that you can't go a day without thinking about, that was Claire. I woke up thinking, I dreamt about her. I woke up dreaming, thinking about her. I knew she was gonna join our family um, and I didn't know when. Um, and then one of my devotions was um, talked about while we're waiting, God is working. And that's really what was happening. Um, and a lot of my, one of my devotions talked about we're not waiting on God, we're waiting with God. And so that was a really big epiphany for me. God is working and it was so hard. We're very much control people and we want to know, <laughs> show me the steps, what's happening. But we had started the process and we kind of felt like there were some moments where we thought we could control it and make some things happen. And we felt God slap our hand, literally. He said, stop, I'm doing my work. You've done your job, let me do mine. But for us, it was very hard. We had to put on a happy face and say, we're waiting, we're praying. Um, and then Brian took a sabbatical the month of January in 2018. And we really thought that that's when Claire would come. We really did. We'd been waiting for over a year and we thought, gosh, this is it. She's gonna come. Um, but my devotions on January 16th, it was the middle of the month, um, said, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, you've already begun, do you not see? And that same day, Brian's devotions, it's his journal right there. It says, last night I woke up at 1.53 a.m. and I felt your spirit very strong. I think it had something to do with Claire. I hope we'll meet her today. Well, January 16th came and went and we did not see Claire. At the end of his sabbatical, it was probably the, should have been the highest point of his spiritual walk with God in our family and it was probably the lowest because we had nothing to show for it. Um, 
but we had to continue and trust that God's plan was in action. Um, fast forward two months on March 16th, two months to the day, March 16th, we were contacted by our birth family. It was one of our former youth students from our church in Boise. And her mom said, she's pregnant and she's heading to prison and she cannot keep the baby. And we thought of you first. And we said, we'll take it. We did some wrestling because we thought, what if it's a boy? But we said, we have to take it. When they told us what, baby, what date the baby was due, it was solidified that this was God's plan. Baby's due date was October 16th. For those of you who can do pregnancy math, Claire was conceived on, on January 16th. This was what was happening on January 16th. God's plan was in action and we couldn't see it, but yet we had to trust the plan. Um, one piece that I said that she was in prison, heading to prison, this was most of our pregnancy as we walked through this journey with her. We didn't share this detail with a lot of people. We tried to respect our birth mom's privacy. Um, we got to see her via video. We walked through the whole prison ministry. We went to prison, we went to prison to, to visits. The boys didn't go, we went. Um, and that was a, a real struggle for us because if you know anything about the jail and the prison, there's not a lot you have control over. You go when they say you can go. You, if visits get canceled, they get canceled. Um, but we knew that baby was protected and safe um, and we just, prayed that this was part of the plan, um, even though it was a struggle for us. Another really big piece for me was knowing whether it was a boy or girl. And at the beginning of the process, we just had to pray that this was Claire. And if it wasn't, we had to be okay with that. And Claire would come to us another time. Um, this picture is what we shared with the world when we were announced that we were expecting a baby girl. We took the picture downstairs, actually. Um, However, we also took this picture because we didn't know at the time if it was a boy or a girl. And we had a name and we had a nursery. But I really wrestled with God on this one because I didn't want a boy. I wanted a girl. And I had to be okay with knowing that if this baby was not Claire, she would come sometime and I didn't know when. And if you'll notice my face in both of the pictures, they were taken minutes apart with an outfit change. But the pain in my face with that, I had to put on a good face for the family because I knew that it would be part of God's plan. It wasn't mine, but I knew that I had to continue and trust that God would bring Claire because that desire had not gone away. Um, fast forward eight months, and um, here is baby. This was the day she was born. We were luckily able to be in the delivery room with her. Brian was behind a curtain, but I watched her join this world and I cut her cord. Um, but this struggle here was, was also for me because I knew that she had to say goodbye to a mom, her first mom. Um, and yet there's the joy on my face. I knew that there was a struggle for that mom to say goodbye. And I also deep down knew there was always this in the back of my mind wrestling. And adoptions, failed adoptions happen all the time. I see it on social media all the time. A family gets to the end of the adoption and the bio mom decides to keep. We knew that wasn't really possible with ours because of the situation, but that was in the back of my mind. What if we get through this whole journey with her? And she says, no, I'm gonna keep it. 
that was a big wrestling with me and my heart with God. Um, we had to wait more paperwork, more waiting, more waiting for the adoption to be finalized. She was four months old at the time. It was just the way the court system worked. And again, more wrestling with God, but we found joy when it was finalized and she is legally ours. Um, and this is just our family today. If you know Claire, if you've met her, she brings joy to everyone, um, our entire family included. And I feel like um, because we listened and obeyed God, um, he truly brought joy to our family. Thank you. And again, as you hear, you know, Maureen's side of the story and to say is that we, we both struggled through it together. And there were times that I had to hold her up and there were times that she had to hold me up. And, and again, as we look back through the struggle and realize we saw God's hand in so many different ways that we would have never experienced, you know, had it been very easy. Because it was not easy. And, and in fact, um, like I said, I mean, Maureen shared one part of my journal, but... Um, Again, we both had our points in the process. There's another time, two weeks before we heard from our birth mom for the first time. Um, I wrote in my journal on that day. I said, Lord, please free me and Maureen from this place of want and of the unknown. Because it is really wearing on me. I trust you to keep your promises, Lord, but my hope is fading. And again, that was in that moment where I felt wrong for even telling God that. Right? But yet, that's exactly where I was. Right? And yet, two weeks after that, we got news. Right? And God answered that prayer. And I think as we see and we look back through that story and, and again, realize that, you know, was it a struggle? Absolutely. Right? Was there a lot of waiting and a lot of silence? Yes. Right? But yet, through that, as we just continued to, I mean, God kept telling me, uh, I will fulfill my promise. Don't question it. Just keep going. Right? And when you look through that struggle and, and realize again that, that God was with us through every step, that God was there. And I think that's one of the things that we believe as, as followers of Jesus, that, that I'm going to accept Christ as my Savior and I'm going to just be obedient to him and everything's going to be perfect. But that's not the truth. That's not what God told Mary and Joseph. That's not what God told us. That's not what God tells anybody. In fact, Jesus told us exactly the opposite of that, is that if you follow me, right, that you will have trouble. In fact, Jesus tells us that in John 16, and he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Right? And Jesus tells us the truth. He says, your life is not going to be perfect. There's still going to be times where your life is just a hot mess, right? But find peace, take heart, because that's not the end of the story. I'm with you. I have overcome the world. That is the end of the story, right? And God is with us no matter what we face. And we see that, that ring true even in the Christmas story. Okay? As we see the Christmas story takes a turn here starting at verse Eight in Luke chapter 2. We're going to pick up the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, picking up at verse 8. And it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. 
They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. It will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels have returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Again, as we see this, this turn in the Christmas story, again, we, we see that God makes what is broken into the beautiful. Right? And it is in that moment, that, that moment of brokenness, of struggle, is where God can intervene and do something. Because the truth is God is doing something. God is doing something in in. In Mary and Joseph's life, he was doing something in the world that was going to change the course of history forever. And God is doing something in your life too. He is doing something beautiful. He is doing something beyond our understanding. He's writing a story that is beautiful not by avoiding brokenness, not by leaving us in our brokenness, but by what he will accomplish through that brokenness. Right? The stories become good because of what happens through the trials and the struggles. Right? As we look at Mary and this, this incredibly important verse in Luke 2, verse 19, right? where it says, But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Right? Did the story get any easier after this? Absolutely not. And we're going to finish the story next Sunday and, and see again if you, as this story continued to play out through the next couple of years. Right? There were lots of hard times. And yet Mary kept these things in her heart and she thought about them often. She found joy amidst the struggle. Again, how did Mary get to this place? Because she knew that God was doing something big. She knew that the fight was worth it. She knew that that if her and Joseph kept pressing forward, that a blessing was going to be bigger than they could ever imagine. Right? Again, she thought about it often. And that is where true joy comes from. Right? It, it isn't depending on your current situation or on whatever trial you face and struggle you're trying to get through. But it is based on God. And it is based on who he is and what he is doing and what your part of his story is. Right? That's how we find true joy. 
right? We, if, as we think about that, and I think it, even whether, whatever trial you face or whatever's going on in your life, as we learn from Mary and Joseph and, and, and see the joy that comes from that, the joy that, that we found through our adoption stories, that's continuing to be written. And, you know, whatever you're facing, right, we find that as we think about all of these stories is when verses, and there's a few of them like it, but like in James 1, verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And you read that and be like, how on earth can we ever find joy in struggle? And yet that's exactly what we see Mary and Joseph do. That's exactly what we see happen in, in lots of people's stories when God is involved. So again, I just want to extend that to you as saying, what is God doing in your story? Right, what struggle in your journey does God want to make beautiful? What trial are you facing? What, what question do you have? Right, what, what is looming in your heart? Again, that just draws you to your knees with the question, God, what are you doing? Hey, and, and when you think about that, again, the Christmas story, what it reminds us is that, that we do not go through anything alone, that, that no matter where our story is, if we receive Christ as our Savior, we invite him into our life, and we join the journey of faith, that we can now start a new journey with Christ, that we don't face our struggles alone, but we can find joy even amidst the mess. You know, many as we look at the Bible realize that out of our four Gospels, only two of the Gospels have the Christmas story in them, in Matthew and Luke. Right? And, and again, the other Gospels just start different ways, not there, but, but I will say there is a Christmas story in the Gospel of John. Okay, it is short. It's in fact one verse. It's summed up in one verse, but the Christmas story is there. In John 1 verse 14, he says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. In his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And that is the Christmas story. Right? That God looked down at our lives. He looked down at our mess and says, I am going to, to enter myself right into the middle of that mess. And I'm going to walk with them through it. And I will glorify it and I will redeem it for God's glory, right? God is with us. He enters into our mess exactly where we are, and then we can now find joy amidst whatever struggle we face. Okay, and how do we do that? What do we learn from Mary? How does she do that? How, how can we do that? The first thing we need to do to find joy amidst our struggle is to remember how God has brought about beauty in your brokenness before. Right, look back through your story. Right, and think again, where has God entered my life? Where has he brought beauty in the midst of brokenness? And again, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've already accepted Christ as your Savior, then that's where it starts. He's already done that. Right, when he saved you. Again, God will fulfill his promises. We are not alone. That's something that Maureen and I said to each other all through the entire adoption process was God promised that he will fulfill his promises. Hey, and God will fulfill his promises. You are not alone. God has entered into your mess and he is at work. So walk with God through it. But that starts with receiving him as your savior. If you've never invited him in your life and, and received him as your savior, then, then you are going it alone. But yet we have a choice make. 
And that choice is to receive Christ, to invite him in our life, confess our sins, and be saved, and now go it with Christ. And then the second thing we need to do to find joy amidst our struggle is to ask God the right question. Not God, what are you doing? But, but how can I join you in what you're doing? Right? And it's a small change in words, but it's a huge change in perspective. God, I know you're working. How can I join you in what you're doing? Right? And that's the right question to ask. Because he's already promised us that he's working. He's already promised us that, that he's with us. Right? And, and he will fulfill those promises. And that's where we find joy. Because joy is not found in our circumstances. Joy is found in our God. Right? And as we live that out in our life with him, he will make our brokenness and our struggle into a miraculous story. Which brings me to my final thought this morning, and that is this, is that it is not brokenness that makes the story good, but what happens through it. No matter what you face, God is with you, and he wants to be your source of joy. Again, I don't know what struggle or trial you face in your life. But I do know that the answer to that struggle, that how you find joy amidst that struggle is Jesus. And if you've never received him as your savior, I hope that you would invite him in, pray and confess your sin and invite him into your life and he will enter your life in that moment. And you can join the journey of faith. If you already know Christ as your savior, then you can again find joy in him as you renew that commitment to Christ, right? And walk through and find beauty in whatever you face. Lord God, we come to you and we thank you and praise you for who you are, for all you do, for entering into our mess. God, and redeeming it, redeeming us, saving us, Lord, and walking with us no matter what we face. God, we know that, that with you, our lives won't be perfect, but we know, God, that, that we can find joy in you no matter what we face. God, that you will work through our story. Lord, that we can find beauty amidst the brokenness. And we ask that you would do that right now in our life. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for the Christmas season. And Lord, we ask that you continue to go with us even this week as we shine your light in this dark world. Lord, as we can be truthfully joyful no matter what's going on, Lord, and that the world would see that joy. They would see you in that joy, Lord, that we would shine your light and share your love in all we interact with this week. We love you. We praise you. Be with us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.